The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht. Happy Aloha Wednesday. <laughs> Hope everyone's doing having a good day. Man, happy Manawahine Wednesday. We actually have a fun uh, guest for you today that will... It's our last, it's our final Manawahine Wednesday of the year. We will, uh, you'll hear my chat with... University of Hawaii track star Alyssa May Antolin, my fellow Filipina, shout out. So you will play that for you uh, in just a little bit coming up on the show. But it's been pretty a wonky, kind of a wonky morning already so far. I don't know. It, it's just it, final few shows of the year. It's bound to get weird, I guess, is what we like to see on the show Weather today is a little overcast, but not too much traffic heading in. And I heard there was an accident on the freeway, according to the traffic report. So there was some traffic on the freeway, but mostly the roads are still clear. Again, everyone's out um, on vacation and stuff and enjoying their winter break. But yeah, uh, <laughs> so funny story to tell you guys just before we get started with everything, because this is I need I need to almost like set it up in case anything wonky does happen throughout this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just need to get out, get the story out there just so everyone is well We're aware, out in front well of aware of how my morning has gone so far. Uh, so, you know, I'm at home and just as like my other half, he's awesome. He gets up like around the same time I did knowing we didn't have any coffee, gets up to go get coffee. So before, so I would have coffee before I leave for work. And Paul, you see, I have like a big cup of coffee, like all the time. He does it all the time. He's amazing. And, but today, so he gets up, we didn't have any coffee or leftover coffee, whatnot. He gets up, goes to get coffee and I'm, I'm getting ready, you know, waiting. And I guess it was busy this morning. So he kind of came back a little later, but not super late than I thought. I'm like, okay, still, I'm still not in a rush. I'm, I'm chilling. I'm cruising. Life's good. Yeah. And then I pour, you know, the coffee into my, um, it's not a Yeti that I use, my Ted Lasso, my handy daddy Ted Lasso cup. And <laughs> so I make it and then I like do something and then I'm like, okay, bye. Walk out the door. Do, 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 do. Uh, driving to work you know, listening to our friends at VSIN on my drive-in. And then I park here at our studio and then I reach over to grab my coffee and my cup holder and it is not there. <laughs> so no coffee cup in the coffee holder. And I'm like, did I just really go through every single motion of preparing to bring my coffee? And now I do not have my cup. First time this has ever happened to me. I never, I mean, I've walked out the door without my coffee before, but I remember by the time I, at least I get to my car, like, oh, I forgot my coffee on the counter. I need to go back and get my coffee. Yeah. So I got to work this morning and completely did not know that I did not have my coffee until I actually parked, did the motion, like <laughs> looked over into my coffee cup and all I see is like a water bottle and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> And this is one of those mornings that I really needed coffee. So I had to go walk over to 7-Eleven to get like these canned 
cold brew things because I only drink black coffee. So sometimes they don't have. So I'm glad that they still had black coffee because I don't I will not drink any of like those bottled Frappuccino things or anything. It's like a this is like a Korean bread, I think that's in 7-Eleven, but it's good and it's not sweetened or anything. But I just can't believe I forgot my delicious coffee at home. And it's it's going to it's one of those days already. It started. And yeah, I just <laughs> had to fuel the caffeine addiction somehow. You know? I I sit here just, as if habit. I don't have a Celsius every single day. Yeah, it's ha- and honestly, for me and coffee, I think Alan, Mia, and I had this conversation on air. Like for me and coffee, I can, I don't even know if it's caffeine anymore. I think it's just the habit and like the flavor. I do enjoy the taste of coffee. Like I could probably drink regular coffee like at night and still be able to go to sleep. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. Uh, You're no welcome, co- everyone. It's no coffee. Earn regular coffee morning for coup. Hope I'm not the only one alone out there that has ever done something like that. Just completely space on like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anywho. Happy hi mono everybody. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hello. As we wake up today. And then the, right before we jumped on to Paul was saying how he was a little groggy this morning, too. So maybe it's just one of those days. But I hope everyone is enjoying their day and welcome to the show. Woo! I'm Kool-Aid Ugbayani alongside Paul Brett as we were waking up this morning. It's because there was so much news that we were going over right before the show. So. That's what it is. I think so. That is exactly what it is. And we will definitely get to a lot of NFL talk and a lot of NFL news throughout the show. I did want to. So I was thinking about this the other day since we only have like since I took up all that time telling you my story. So how dare you? Yeah, I know. Sorry. You guys had to in like, you know, you got to deal with my, my story. Anyways. So I was thinking about this the other day because we were talking about um, what you might call. We were talking about. You know, Braden Shager for a good portion of the show. And then it had me thinking about the former coach, Todd Graham. And because part of it was me, because Todd Graham brought him in. But not only that, but as horrible. And it sucks to give like Todd Graham this credit because he was like the worst. But um, not only from a player perspective, but also... I was watching the UNLV game last night, the um, guaranteed rate bowl. They took on Kansas. It was a fun game, by the way. Like, if I think you it was didn't... the highest scoring bowl game of the season so far. That of sounds this, about right. Just because it, offense, punch for punch for punch for oh punch, it felt like. If you didn't have like any like skin in the game or anything, it was very entertaining. Kansas did win 49-36. Household wasn't too happy. But for the most part, it was like, <laughs> eh, whatever. This is like a I feel like it's just a bonus. But yes, very, very fun. However, a lot of the talk, well, first we talk about new head coach for UNLV, Barry Odom, you know, possibly getting poached. But a lot of the talk in the UNLV community, and they brought it up extensively, like multiple times in the guaranteed rate bowl broadcast about Brennan Marion, their offensive coordinator. And I'm just like, so he could potentially get poached and a lot of the UNLV people, including my other half was like, ah, Barry Odom gets like poached. Like it's cool because we have the the OC. Well, you got the go go offense. I totally forgot that Brandon Marion actually coached at Hawaii under Todd Graham. So he was he's like a wide receivers coach, but nonetheless, still was someone that was brought in by Todd Graham. Had him here in house. In addition to. Uh, we've we brought up G.J. Kinney before and all the stuff that he's gone on to do 
<laughs> I know that was weird. It sounded like a train outside. Well, that's what I, I was like. Is there a train that they put in a train station right here? They they weird. updated the rail <laughs> <laughs> to an actual train. That was weird. Oh, oh sorry. Maybe it was that tow truck. Anyway, Brennan Marion, yeah, in the yeah. go-go offense. And then G.J. Kinney, who has like done his thing at like Texas State, but even before that, you know, UCF and all that stuff. Good coach. You have um, Trent Fig, that was an offensive analyst at Oregon last season. And then I just looked it up. I guess he's like the head coach of a new, it looks like an FCS school, Calvin or something. I was like, oh, because I was Fine. trying to, I was, I was trying to see how he maybe ha- was doing, like where he was coaching. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's like, and, but this Calvin school has like no schedule before next year. So it's like a brand new football team, I guess. So that's well, pretty in. cool. But oh my gosh, again, it just pains me because I'm just thinking like, Todd, he was like an awful coach, but dang, he probably had a pretty good taste for talent in terms of coaching. Well, except for his own son. That was kind of a that, yeah, that well, was nepotism yeah. is <laughs> everywhere. But but no, I mean, it makes sense. A lot of times coaches know coaches and sometimes you get lucky in that sense where you put together a really good staff or at least a, a younger staff that then develops in the future into a good coaching staff and that's kind of what you see with all those guys you just mentioned and obviously headlined by Brennan Marion there who like you said it's I mean the rumors only get louder and louder as the time goes on that other schools continue to look to try and poach him and for good reason I mean we just talked about it that was the highest scoring bowl game and Kansas Kansas got a lot of talent man their wide receivers quarterback it's overall just incredibly incredibly talented um, group of players but UNLV I mean a nice game plan coming out of halftime as well where they put up a pretty pretty quick flurry of points to get right back into it overall a fun game and you can understand why the worry for UNLV fans yeah Barry Odom is a phenomenal head coach and that is not somebody you want to lose but especially in today's world in football where offense is so king you don't want to lose that offense that Brandon mm-hmm. or Brennan Marion has brought in over there yeah because that's what sells tickets that's kind of like a style that i'm sure unlv will always want i mean unlv las vegas it's flashy i remember kyle and i talked about this and during our show when we were in las vegas that this is when unlv does need to put all the chips in into their college football team because if the city itself is building itself to be the sports mecca and capital of the world the trajectory that football has now UNLV needs to get on that train also, and they need to have a good football program because they have not all the time. Like, it's it's crazy to even fathom how bad they've been considering how much money and the facilities that the they've had. resources are crazy for the results. And I'm like, what is going on? And on top of that, another big thing that happened in the college football world, Tony Sanchez, former UNLV head coach, is hired as New Mexico State's head coach, which I'm like, that's weird because Tony Sanchez was not a good coach at UNLV. He was the one, he was hired essentially at UNLV from Bishop Gorman because he's friends with the Fertitta brothers. And it was because of Tony Sanchez that UNLV was gifted all of that money and the Fertitta uh, football complex, yada, yada, yada. But yes, considering all the facilities you had, it did not translate into wins or recruiting. 
and they were not successful at all. And now I'm like, this is an interesting move for New Mexico State, considering that they did really well this past season and their head coach just stepped down. <laughs> it's kind of how is that they, Jerry Kill? I think so, yeah. Because I know he's like retiring retiring because he's old and whatever but he still hopes to be around the team and whatnot I agree it was it was a strange hiring in general with Sanchez where I so typically I look to fans Mm -hmm. fan reactions and I know I joke a lot of times about fans uh, and sometimes their reactions being a little much but oftentimes, the way they respond to a coaching hiring, my best example I can bring is how Jets fans, as soon as the Adam Gase hiring was announced, every Jets fan was like, this is going to be a disaster. It was like the next two years of Jets football, we have no reason to watch this. It was rooting for losses so we can get a start on the next. <laughs> I'm not saying that that is what Sanchez is to New Mexico State. But... I am saying that fans do have a general grasp of like, guys, why? Are, what are we doing here? And sometimes programs, organizations, franchises don't always. So good luck to Coach Sanchez. I hope he does the best he can. But fans, fans are going to need to see it as well. I've, I've read. Yeah, and you can't necessarily... The reason why it looks odd for Jerry Kell to step down is because they did really well this past season. They finished 10-5 and overall, 7-1 and in conference. Like, that does not scream like, hey, you should step down and whatnot and bring in someone who is not a proven winner at the college football level as a head coach. But nonetheless, we'll see what they do, including a win. Or, well, at least Hawaii beat them this year. That was... (laughs) That was a good one. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Fun fun win. Uh, that Jekyll and Hyde year for the Bows. Yeah, but either way, I thought that was interesting. Anyways, I digress now. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL and get you some breaking news that happened within what, like Paul said, like in the span of like two hours this morning from when he woke up till now. So we'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Ku'ule Agbayani and Paul Brecht. Hey! Vibes are good on this Manawahine Wednesday. <laughs> Had to oh, get Paul. Bruno in there too. I'm like Paul. Paul, we're supposed to be talking sports, not dancing. <laughs> Dance is a sport. I know. Or we can get there. We do both. Exactly. This is what happens when we put in the good songs. We're like, the all right, all right, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. okay. <laughs> um, so, so, anyways, we looked it up before we get to our NFL talk because I was curious. I know Tony Sanchez did really bad at UNLV, but want to share with all of you beautiful people, of course, just how bad. So you guys aren't just like, well. We want to give the explanation to our hating. (laughs) So after Bishop Gorman, he got hired as the head football coach at UNLV, and he was there from 2015 to 2019, a total of five seasons. His record is 20 and 40 overall and 13 and 27 in conference with all of that money and facilities and 
pretty much anything. He was at UNLV where he could ask the Fertitta brothers for any type of like money and donations he wanted to try to make his football team successful. And it didn't work out that way. So obviously he got fired for not winning at all. And that's where we are now. Then he went and he spent a year at TCU as an OA and then was the wide receivers coach um, this past season at New Mexico State. And then he got slotted into being the head coach uh, when Jerry Kill announced that he was stepping down after they did really, really well this year. You're going to elevate a wide receivers coach. Yes, he has previous college head coaching experience, but I did not do well. So when I said that New Mexico State fans were upset, and I, I, I felt for them because a lot of them were giving reasoning. And I went back and I read some of the replies during the break just to just to refresh my memory from a couple of days ago. And a lot of them were similar of, we just had two of our best seasons in program history. And it doesn't feel like we can capitalize on a national search. You know, it, it the program is finally getting some national attention. They go to a bowl game. They win double-digit games under Kill and whatnot. At least have a national search. And then if Sanchez wins that out, then you know for sure. Then you're like, all right, yeah, we, we really yeah. do believe in this guy. It just feels weird for New Mexico State fans where they look at it and it's like, this guy went 20-40 and 40 in his time at UNLV, has not won anywhere but at the, or, uh, at the high school level. And... I don't know, after a few years of winning, you want to continue the, that momentum. And you know, hiring from in-house also typically helps save transfers a lot of times. So I'm curious if that is a thought for New Mexico State. But I'm also curious if, you know, how, how much is he beloved by this team? Because if, if the players love him, then it changes things a lot, right? Where... That's half the battle is mm-hmm. getting that relationship at the college level, especially if you're not an elite power five school with a ton of money. You know, it, that's something where he's going to have to explore different avenues at New Mexico State to try and compete where it's not necessarily the same UNLV money all the time. Well, that's the thing. We don't know because he only got that Fertitta money because they're friends. Because Fertitta's donated a lot to Bishop Gorman, too. Yes, of course. So I wouldn't put it past if that's the big reason why he got the job is because he has friends with money. And exactly, New Mexico State could use a lot of money to try to make them be competitive. And that's exactly what happened at UNLV. But he's still got a coach. And that's what happened. Maybe we should schedule a game with them. This is a weird thing, right? Because if we look at Hawaii's football schedule for next year, uh, they open up in week zero against Oregon here, and then they play UCLA here as well. They're at Sam Houston, and they host Northern Iowa. And then they, um, what was it, like earlier this month, they released the home and away opponents for Hawaii, which home will be Boise State, Nevada, UNLV, and New Mexico. New Mexico now, not New Mexico State. And away games will be Fresno State, San Diego State, Utah State, and then that Washington State. Ooh, that's a gauntlet of teams that Hawaii has to All play states. next season. Ooh, that's just a gauntlet, though. Boise State, UNLV. Yeah, gauntlet for them. They're playing us. Oh, yeah. Go Bows. Especially the ones that Boise State has to come here. No blue turf for you. So Dude, that, <laughs> that turf play over is here. 
one of the biggest eyesores. I am sorry for whoever loves it because I know there are people who love that. It is one of the biggest eyesores. Whenever I watch a game, I'm like, oh my God, what am I watching right now? But I felt that way about the NBA in-season courts too. Oh, I hated those courts. So I thought those were ugly. So at the very least, I'm consistent with that. Yeah. I, it's a personal preference thing, but ugh. It's too much. But you know what I noticed about this home and away thing? I forget if I brought it up on the show or if it was just us talking. This only brings Hawaii to 12 games where we're usually we usually have 13 because we play in that week, week zero. zero. So I'm like, now now we talk about New Mexico State and New Mexico State always seems to be on our schedule regardless. So True. maybe now we'll play New Mexico toss State on there again. and Tony Sanchez and hey, we'll we'll, we'll 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 pencil that out in like our win to go to our win total, whatever it'll be next season. Come on, make it more difficult. That three and a half slash four yeah, in the us, win total was hard. A little like, bit. God. Easy cover, easy cover in that Next sense. year the bows are going to a bowl. I'm yeah. telling you right now, December twenty what is it, seventh? December twenty seventh, the bows will be in a bowl this time next year. So just so you know. Hopefully it stays at Christmas Eve again, at least the Hawaii Bowl. It just felt so weird. And then, well, granted, this was probably a good year for if Hawaii wasn't going to make it, that it wasn't on Christmas Eve. There was a good, decent amount of fans, but I know when Hawaii is in the Hawaii Bowl, I was just talking to our other friends about it. Like, man, what? <laughs> that was like the best, one of the best Hawaii Bowls was that final game in the old Aloha Stadium against, obviously, uh, nonetheless, BYU. But... <laughs> Like you couldn't have written history like as much as like COVID sucked and like everything going on with the state new stadium, whatever kind of sucks. Like just the fact that when you think back to it and the final football game slash final Hawaii Bowl in 2019 was against BYU and it was epic and we won, of course. So I'm like, dang. That was a pretty. That was a pretty cool send off. Like if there had to be, if, if you the, could script it, like that was pretty pretty right. cool. So, uh, I wish we had a stadium, but then, yeah, it's okay it's because okay. when again Hawaii, we're looking at we're looking at the positives of well of these when things. Hawaii returns to the Hawaii Bowl next year and we have all these NFL scouts in the stadium because we have so many just absolute hammers on the team. <laughs> hammers. It'll be awesome. It'll be the vibes will be immaculate. It'll be great, and people will not care that we don't have a stadium until 2028 when we open it up against Kansas. By the way, I don't think we, yeah, we never confirmed because it all, see, it's like the weekend was so long. I'm like, what what news broke after when? But I don't think we told the beautiful people about uh, how we finally got that last lineman signed and Christian Perry over the weekend. So Hawaii completely banning 100% via their official visits that happen over the course of the last two weeks and then also getting some early signees, some local players that we talked about last week. But Christian Perry was huge, especially because we had Atkins enter the transfer portal because now Christian Perry pretty much fills you that. You slot him right yep, on in. He's right there, 6'7", 290 pounds. boy. Juco transfer. I love it. Like that. That's like the perfect like cherry on top, and made us wait for it too. Now he had he had kind of already like made him his decision, so he didn't sign on the exact early signing day. Last minute offer came in for this guy from Boise, actually. Um, came in for this guy, and then he, I think it only took him maybe like twenty four hours or something to decide because we saw Roman Sapolu 
do that text. But then I, I was or a tweet and then I kind of asked around like, oh, how come we didn't get the announcement until later? It was the whole compliance thing. Had to go through compliance. Say, the paperwork. So it was decided pretty f- quickly after he had received that offer from another school and deciding to join the, the brotherhood. And oh, thank goodness, because like I said, with Atkins transferring out and now we just OK. On to the next. Well, especially because it it goes back to what our conversation was even back a bit where we really like to bring in those JUCO transfers because you get guys who have been at the college level already. They're they're growing into their adult bodies. They've played against grown adults Mm -hmm. and they have that experience where you're not slotting in one of your true freshmen, forcing them to start right off the rip at offensive line against once again grown men on the other side against Oregon well and that's what I mean right where you see and now you have a big big talented tackle in Christian Perry to set up protect Braden Shager's blind side if he does end up winning that starting quarterback job I know we talked about that at nauseum earlier this week and last week and blah 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 <laughs> um but even so if Micah Alejado starts the lefty then you have somebody to protect his like front twice his side, size. <laughs> right where it's like it's very very important very very nice and after the the conversations we've had especially on this show about how we'd really like to see the bows fortify that offensive line mm-hmm. this is a massive piece and like you mentioned Boise State comes in late tries to rip him away with a nice offer and instead you get to keep a guy who the conference champions wanted like let's just be real the the team that ended up winning the conference and a team that is a perennial powerhouse in the Mountain West set their sights on the same guy mm-hmm. and they thought they could poach him from you and they didn't so one, shout out to Christian Perry for remaining true to his word. And two, that if that doesn't inspire confidence in the culture that this coaching staff is building, where they can go out, they can recruit with the big boys in just how they are building the program. Not to mention, the resources will come. When you win, mm-hmm. resources will come. Oh yeah. Support will come. And they're still working behind the scenes to figure it out. That's all it takes, man. Like, it's it was really all it takes is building that foundation. Like I said, if things continue to roll this way, we're going to be talking about a bowl game for the Bows at this time next year. And it really feels like Put that's that is where we are moving towards. I love it. Put it down. We <laughs> I was like, you can go on our... Uh, fading away Super Bowl or the early predictions. This prediction will not fade like our Super Bowl predictions, by the way. (laughs) Anyways, when we come back, it is Manawahine Wednesday, and you will hear my chat with University of Hawaii track star Alyssa May Antolin next on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Why you come and shoot down on a good vibe ready to flow? Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani and Paul Brecht. And it is Manawahine Wednesday, the final Manawahine Wednesday of the year. And I am stoked that we will feature this incredible track athlete at the University of Hawaii. She won the Big West 200 meter outdoor title last year. 
for the second straight year with a time of 23.44 in the final. She also broke a nearly 40-year-old record in the outdoor 200-meter dash, and she had she earned all MPSF indoor honors for 200 meters, all Big West outdoor honors for 200 meters and 4x400 meter relay. Want to welcome in Alyssa May Antolin. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, first things first, I mean, I just want to give our audience a a chance to get to know you because you have just had an amazing career so far at the University of Hawaii, breaking records and just pure winning. But let's go back a little bit. I mean, you're you're a Maui girl. So tell us a little bit about growing up on Maui and share some of your favorite things about the Valley Isle. Um, Yeah, growing up on Maui, I feel like we don't get as much exposure as Oahu athletes do. So it was kind of hard to put myself out there, especially in the track and field world, because I feel like that's smaller. Here in Hawaii, we don't have that much of like a tight knit community against like soccer or like volleyball or football. But even though we have a tight knit community, I feel like our community is growing and I'm glad to be a part of that. Um, My favorite things about Maui um, would have to be the people. the support that I have is incredible, and I just am blessed to be um, a Hawaii or a Maui native. And how often do you get to go back home? Since I mean, fortunately, it's not too far away. Yeah, uh, it's like a twenty-minute uh, flight. So I this semester I've been going home a lot, like every other weekend. But when season starts, I probably won't be able to get go home as often as I would like. But Now, not only are you succeeding in track and field uh, currently, but in your prep years, you were also a soccer player as well. So uh, tell us a little bit about your soccer career there and what made you gravitate towards track to pursue collegiately? Yeah, um, so throughout, I think, middle school, I played soccer um, till high school and the only reason why I joined track was because people seen that I was fast on the <laughs> soccer field. So they're like, oh, you need to try out. And I was like, okay, like I, I guess. So I tried it out and I liked it a lot, but um, playing soccer, um, it's more of a team sport and I like that, but I'm more competitive individually and I like that competitiveness by myself. So I feel like that helped me gravitate more. And then I also um, tore my ACL my senior year of high school. So playing soccer. And yeah, that made me really sad because I didn't have a senior year of track to kind of like set myself up for college. So that was kind of hard on me. And yeah, tell us a little bit about how that experience was from you and how you overcame that adversity and eventually could find yourself at the University of Hawaii. Yeah, so it was pretty hard just because I didn't have a senior year because it was halfway through soccer season two, so I didn't finish that. So it was pretty hard mentally, but the support that I had was incredible. And I like talked to other people who went through ACL tears and they said like, it's okay. Like everyone goes through these like at least once, but um, it was kind of hard because I did go to UNC for a year in Colorado. Um, that was hard being away from home, especially coming back from a surgery. Um, that wasn't the plan. And I 
didn't like hit my potential at Colorado. So I was kind of losing the love that I had for the sport. And I was like homesick and cold all the time. I didn't like layering up at all. <laughs> so I was like, mom, I think I'm going to transfer back home. So I contacted the coaches and they opened their arms to me. Oh, that's awesome to hear, especially because, you know, that you had that COVID year at Northern Colorado. So just yes. dealing on top of like everything and going through all you went through and coming back home as we are joined by track athlete uh, from the University of Hawaii, Alyssa May Anselin. So uh, tell us a little bit about that experience. Again, I, I love, you know, hard times we all go through it in life. And I, I love to hear how young people like yourself navigate that and essentially find success and find the love of the sport again. So just tell us about how that was for you, not only dealing with being homesick, but also going through everything that was happening in 2020. Yeah, so it was it was pretty hard. Um, but my mom would always tell me, like, you can always come back home. So I was like, I always had that in the back of my head. So I was like, OK, like maybe just stick it out for one more year. And I mean, if I could go back home, then I'm going to come back home. So I think just experiencing the mainland is like incredible. Like I wouldn't take that for granted. Like I would never I would go back if I could like take that one year because you get that experience that like if you stay home, like you just you're comfortable staying home. But getting out of your comfort zone and experiencing that for the first time, like the culture shock, like <laughs> that was like insane. Like I would I don't know. I guess the way I talk, I don't think I talk that pigeon. But <laughs> when I was over there, I, like people will be like, what are you what are you saying? And I'm like, I don't know. It sounds English, but I guess it's broken up. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't I would I would still if I could do it all again, I would still go to northern Colorado and then come back home if I could. Yeah. Prior to being at the University of Hawaii, did you travel often to the mainland at all? I never went to Colorado before. Um, the farthest I ever went to was like maybe Nevada. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I never really went. I kind of just went. Yeah. The only time I, vi I visited uh, northern Colorado for like the official visit, but that was it. And yeah. I didn't under, I didn't know it was all four seasons. So I definitely experienced all four seasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely experience that again if I could. But yeah, it was it was an uh, incredible experience. All right. Now, being back home as we are joined by University of Hawaii standout track athlete and Maui girl, Alyssa May Antolin. Now, you have just had incredible success so far at the UH. And so share with us a little bit about you know, maybe some of your training methods, specifically anything you do that you believe has helped you be so successful? Um, I definitely think in the weight room, it has definitely helped me a lot. Um, my freshman year at UH, I I lifted only like the bar, <laughs> which is really sad because that's only like 45 pounds. But yeah, I would only lift really light. But now I am lifting heavier, which I think has helped a lot, like on the track and in the weight room. So it makes me more explosive getting out of the blocks and stuff. So I think that helped. Um, also, definitely trusting your coaching. I think that helped me a lot. I just need to trust that she knows what she's doing and she definitely does. So I think the coaching is a big part of my success. Yeah. And 
you, you you mentioned how you kind of gravitated towards track away from soccer because of the individual side, but you also do run the relays. So tell us a little bit about how that uh, differs a lot, even though it's it is a team collectively as you all have to finish and run at your own pace. But tell us how you enjoy at least running the relays, even though that's more of a team thing and not just the individual. Yeah, um, I definitely do like the relays more that um, it's a team thing, but I think it definitely helps knowing that you're not just running for yourself. You're running for something bigger. You're running for Hawaii. So that helps a lot. And knowing that your teammates have your back no matter what is amazing. Um, but yeah, we all know that we have this this role on the team on the track. So I think that helps us a lot. Um, also, the four by four is like the last event. So that really counts towards our points so we know that's a big um point score so we know we just we just have to finish the race and at least get points i love it and you actually have a few top 10 times at the university we'll go through it real quick you have indoor 60 meters number one indoor 200 meters at number one outdoor 200 meters number one at uh and then outdoor 100 meters at number five but a lot of records that you currently hold uh, for some of the people, including myself, who aren't as familiar with track. Uh, tell us a little bit about that difference between indoor and outdoor. The indoor, um, it's much different because the tracks is not like a lot of the tracks are not flat. And also they're not a 400 meter track. Some mm. of them are like 200. So it's like when you're running a 200, it seems like you're running a whole lap, which is kind of weird. But um, or like some of them are like 300 meter tracks. So it's sometimes it's different, but also, it's indoors, so it's colder outside. Um, also, for the indoor, there's only the 60 and not the 100, so it's a bit faster. And yeah, the tracks are definitely faster indoor for some reason. Like, it's like in banked also. Some of them are in banked, so it's kind of like you're running like this. So yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> We're uh, talking story and hanging out with Alyssa May Antolin, a track athlete at the University of Hawaii, standout track athlete, of course. So what is your favorite event out of everything that you run? It's definitely the 200. Um, just because I feel like I build up my speed and the 100 or the 60 is more like, you have to right out the blocks is like speed all the way. Like it's just, it's harder for me, but I know that it's possible. So, And now that we are heading into a brand new year, you've already accomplished so much. If you guys, there, there's way too many things for me to uh, say on this interview that Alyssa has accomplished. So feel free, go to hawaiiathletics.com and check out her uh, profile because there's just so many accolades that you've acquired so far. But now moving into the new year, what are some of your goals that you have? Yeah, um, I have really big goals for myself this year. Um I for the team we want to win the championship which I think is very possible um I think this year we have a lot of good potential and that we can reach that um but for me personally I really want to get better in the 60 for indoor um definitely be a back-to-back champion in the 200 for indoor and then for the outdoor season I would honestly I want to break the 100 record for our school so that's a big one that I'm reaching for and then um winning for the 200 for the uh for the third time so and then for the 
four by four and the four by one relays. I'm hoping that we can get first as well. Hell up. Not big goals at all. You, you we can do it all. <laughs> there we go. We'll definitely be be rooting for you. All right. Last one, just to have a little fun because I mentioned this before we started our interview, but I will, you know, kind of make note of it for our audience listening. You are a fellow Filipina. So I always thought that stood out to me because after, you know, we see some of your photos on social media and whatnot with the Filipino flag and I love it so much. So I need to know what is your your favorite Filipino food? Ooh, uh, this is a lot. Uh, my <laughs> favorite Filipino food, I would say probably like, it's probably super simple. It's probably like pork adobo, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because my grandma, when the way she cooks it, she likes to like leave a little bit, like actually a lot of fat. And I kind of <laughs> like that sometimes. <laughs> so that with just rice. Oh, my gosh, that's so good. It's OK. I'm simple, yeah. too. I'm I'm a sucker for my auntie's pork guisantes. It's like my favorite thing ever. It might not only be my favorite Filipino food, but one of my favorite foods ever. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> All right, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us on this Manawahine Wednesday, but I don't want to take up too much of your time as we are in the holiday season, but I appreciate you uh, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Any, I appreciate it. Any last things though for our audience? Um, I would just say that I would say if you want it, go for it. And don't be afraid because you never know what the outcome is going to be. So just go for it. All right. I love it. What a what a perfect way to end or have our final Manawahine Wednesday of the year and get us pumped for new things and big goals for next year. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you. Maui native and University of Hawaii track star Alyssa May Antolin on this Manawahine Wednesday. We will be right back on Wake Up in the Den. Wake up in the den with Kuule Akbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. <laughs> oh. Happy Manawahine Wednesday. Yeah. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani, and Paul Brecht. Shout out and mahalo to our Manawahine Wednesday featured guests, Alyssa May Antolin uh, from the University of Hawaii, tracks, a track star from the University of Hawaii, and excited to see what she does uh, this upcoming season as she was talking about her some of her big goals and that Barbie girl song. I didn't plan this, but now I'm like, oh, it kind of reminded me of the story I was trying to tell you guys at Christmas. And then I had to rush it and it was just funny. So I got to tell you it now because like the full version, like I was telling you guys, I'm like, a, I'm a Barbie. I was like Barbie girl growing up. I loved my Barbie dolls is pretty much what I asked for every single Christmas. Um, and then one Christmas, I just couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to um, this was separate from the you know, going shopping with my parents and then them wrapping it and me being a psychic for my cousins like that were asking me what I wanted for Christmas. Nostradamus. Uh, but yeah, like it was pretty funny where I because I wasn't that old. I don't even know. I wish I asked my mom how old I was, but um, maybe four. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, the Christmas presents were under the tree and. My mom, I think my dad was at work or he was like working outside or something or and then my mom was taking a nap 
and I was left to, you know, my own mischievous ways, I guess you could say. <laughs> so, you know, I peek and oh, mom's taking a nap. Doop, 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 doop. Let me mosey on to the Christmas tree because I just couldn't wait till Christmas to open my presents. And I don't know if I, I can't recall if I knew what I was opening, but it was kind of a big box. And so like my little self, like, gets it from under the tree and like essentially like pushes it to my room like you could just picture like a little toddler like pushing their present to their room close the door open my <laughs> open my gift and it was like the this barbie like water thing <laughs> and then I play with my toy for like an hour or something or I, I think I even like did put it I'm trying to remember they like put it like with the water stuff and and then I've I don't see this is where I'm like I can't believe like this is my little self was timed everything so perfectly in a way and then I was like oh thinking that that's how genius I was like okay mom's probably gonna wake up pretty soon so I put everything back and I essentially attempted to rewrap the presents and <laughs> You know, when you're a kid, right? You're like, no, it looks totally like how it looked before I unwrapped it. So yeah. it looks fine. 100%. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. know. They're not going to know. They're not going to know. <laughs> and they you know, know. after I wrap it, then I push and grunt. And my room is like at the end of a hallway. I mean, when, I didn't grow up in a super big house or anything, but it's a pretty a fair amount of distance to go. Like push it back down the hallway, push it back under the Christmas tree and then I thought everything was all fine and dandy like I totally got away with opening my present and playing with it before anyone knew I'm totally getting away with this nobody is gonna know and <laughs> obviously mom wakes up totally knows like <laughs> because it wasn't obvious that you know a toddler rewrapped her present and put it back underneath the tree and <laughs> absolutely not I don't know how she, till this day, I do not know how she figured it out. Like, it it, it was not obvious. Mom is so. just, you know, it, she read right through your yeah. smooth criminal attempt. I know. So, that's what I did. I was like the little present burglar of my own, <laughs> pres of, of my own present. I don't know. <laughs> so the present burglar, please. So, she, yeah, she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> And oh, then gosh. I did get a little bit of a spanking, but then she said like afterwards she felt so bad because then, then it kind of hit her that she was like, oh, this is so funny. Like she's just oh, it's like, hilarious. like your instant reaction is like, because it's, again, your child is being this mischievous, right? But in hindsight, it's not that bad. Right. So it's that's like it's really like, who cares? But yeah. in the moment you're like, what are, what you, are you doing? doing? <laughs> well, because there's the surprise aspect and whatever. Oh, I was scrolling through Twitter and there I read a story similar to that where a parent had come down and their toddler had unwrapped everyone's gifts. And I, oh, don't, I saw that too. Yeah, not just their own, yeah. but like everyone's gifts. See, they're not as smart as I am. I, I picked my own <laughs> I, gift and I rewrapped it. I don't, right, I don't know what could have gone through that kid's mind where they're like, yeah, these are all for me. Also, I don't know. It is incredibly funny yeah. to think about. God. Christmas time is always, it's fun stories for the adults and incredible, incredibly <laughs> embarrassing stories for the kids. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun because it's just the cycle. It's this, you know, cycle of life that you go through. Yeah. 
I don't know. That just trips me out every time. I, I have like flashes of memories of it. But the fact that like when my mom and I talk about it, like she's like, yeah, I don't know how you did that. Like, I'm like, yeah, me neither. Because, OK, like it, that seems like a toddler thing, right? You yeah. go and you open everything up and then you just leave it open. But like I was on another de- a different level of like. <laughs> you were scheming. I know. <laughs> full out plotting against your mother. <laughs> You're just like, hmm, how I just... can I open this present? And nobody will Nobody's going to know. <laughs> I think that's the part that that's why I always joke because, you know, I always tell people I was a little Kolohe growing up. And so I like but I like to I like to frame it as like I'm just too smart for my own good. So at least I got put in check a little bit because then I'm just I'm just mischievous like that. Like, I guess my mom or my mom, my mind just thinks how it did. Like, it, you don't teach a I would argue you're smarter. Four-year-old coup is smarter than like (laughs) a large majority of criminals who don't know how to cover up their tracks. Like that, you at least had an escape plan. It wasn't like elite, but it was pretty good. I swear the present looked like it was wrapped perfectly. I don't know how my mom like found out. Mom was too in tune. It's on her. It's not definitely not you. (laughs) So that's the extended story for you guys that I kind of had to rush through. I hope. It's pretty funny. I still think it's hilarious. And maybe you guys have one of those kids out there. But we got to go for Paul Brecht. I'm Kule Agbayani. Mahalo for listening. Bye.